and a very big welcome. It's awesome to be able to join you from wherever you are in the world. My name is Pastor Craig, and I'm really excited that we can continue our journey in our midweek experience through the subject matter of the conscience. Before we jump into the Word and welcome everybody, let's say a prayer together, and then we'll get going straight away. Father, we thank you that you are our God, and there is no other. We are amazed by you. We thank you that you are always walking alongside us. Father, will you speak into our hearts and our minds today so that your voice can reverberate through our lives. We can hear your voice clearly in every instance of decision-making, in every challenge. We want to hear your voice. So teach us today, Father God, how to hear you better. We want to know what you think, and we want your input in our lives. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, a very big welcome to you. If you're joining us from wherever you are in the world, if you're here in the room, thank you so much for joining us. It's going to be an awesome time together as we continue having a look at the conscience and what it means to be guided by a God-oriented conscience. It's been an amazing journey so far during this series, and, and I hope that you're enjoying it. Why don't you continue to post in the chat room your thoughts, what's going on. Just uh, let us know what you're thinking and what's going on in your mind as regards this voice on the inside of us that we have these conversations with. Yes, it's okay. You can have a conversation with yourself. It doesn't mean that you've got schizophrenic tendencies. No, God placed a small, still voice on the inside of us, and we use that voice to guide our lives, decide between flesh or between spirit. Man, we, we use our conscience and this voice that God has given every single one of us to be able to guide our way through our lives. And up until now, we've been taking a look at the scripture at, in Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21, which says, Your ears will hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right or turn to the left. Yes, you see, when we have a look at the scripture, we hear about this voice just behind our ear telling us, You should go this way. You should go that way. You should do this. You should do that. And that is what we call the conscience. And scripture defines conscience as God's moral laws written on the heart of man. God's moral laws written on the heart of man. You see, God wrote who he was and who he wanted us to be on the inside of us before we were even born. He knew what those laws and what those moral conduct should be for us. And so when he knitted us together in our, in, in our mother's womb, we were made in his image. We had a set of moral laws on the inside of us. These moral laws weren't a thou shalt and thou shalt not. No, these were moral laws that would help guide us towards an incredible destiny. These moral laws were things that would help us and guide us to have an abundant and incredible life. And this conscience where these moral laws get their voice, the, the, the moral laws are written on the inside of us, but our conscience is the mouthpiece of those moral laws that God has placed on the inside of us. It helps us and guides us. It leads us to a place of integrity, as we saw last week and the week before. It leads us to a place of integrity, doing the right thing at the right time every time. If we could get to a place where our conscience could lead us to that level of integrity, doing the right thing every time at the right time. And if my voice is this super important element to who I am, if my voice is this really big guiding force in my life, if, if this conscience that is there to guide me towards God, well, if it's such an important element in my life, best I give it some attention. Best I train that conscience, best I lead that conscience, best I, I get that conscience to a place where it can guide me towards integrity. We learned last week that one of the ways we can either be guided towards Jesus or away from Jesus, either guided towards this voice of integrity or away from this voice of integrity, is through our friends. And remember, we had the illustration of, of this um, man that was lowered down towards Jesus by his friends. His friends knew that he needed Jesus in the middle of his life so that he could get up off his mat of mediocrity and take a step into a great life, a life that was 
much better than the one he had before. His friends knew what he needed, and they drove him. They directed him. They even lowered him down before the Lord to make sure that he got what he needed from Christ. You see, friends can shape our conscience in good ways, but friends can also shape our conscience and give our voice, that conscience voice, and make it quieter and quieter. First Corinthians 15.33 tells us that when we let our friends shape us to that level, well, then we're going to find that, hey, we're going to have bad habits. And that's where we left off last week as we pick up this session with habits, what it means to have good habits, doing the right thing at the right time every time. That habitual obedience, that habitual ability to make the right choice every time, to listen to that voice, that small, still voice, to listen to what it has to say and do what it asks you to do. You see, when we have a look at that definition of integrity, doing the right thing at the right time every time, that sounds like a habit, doesn't it? When I do my teeth in the morning, brushing my teeth is, is more like a habit. I, I know and I get into a routine. I'm not even thinking about what I do next, how I do my morning readiness and getting ready for the day. I, I go into the bathroom and I've got a set order of what things I do. It's a, it's a habit. I, I'm not thinking, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could get into the same place with God orienting, orienting or God-oriented decisions in our lives where we don't even think about making the right decision. It's just automatic. We hear the voice of God in our lives and we respond and we get to a place of habitual obedience to the Word of God. You see, if we let our conscience be trained by God, God will train us through our conscience. If we let our conscience be oriented towards the things of the world, our conscience will become quiet and we won't hear the Word of God in our lives, let alone become habitually obedient to it. Your conscience is the key to making sure that you become habitually obedient to the blessings of God. Now, you might be sitting here today going, I don't want to be habitually obedient to something. I, I want to reason through things. I want to know things. I, I, I'm not talking about doing away with reason. I'm not talking about doing away with asking questions. I'm just talking about getting up and knowing what the right thing to do every time, all the time is. You see, in Luke chapter 11 and verse 28, Jesus says this, more than that, he said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And keep it. You see, number one, we've got to get used to hearing the word of God. We've got to get used to hearing our conscience speak the word of God into those situations. That's the first step. Not taking away anything that quietens our heart. Taking away anything that quietens the voice of God in our lives. Stills our conscience. Eventually leading to searing our conscience. No, we've got, to, we've got to take away anything that, that makes a noise and we can't hear God anymore. So the first thing to having a blessed life is this, being able to hear the word of God in our lives. And often we think that God's not speaking to us, that he's, the word of God is not there in our lives. But what we've done is we've amplified so much other noise in our lives that quite frankly, we can't hear the wood from the trees. We can't hear God's voice. We've got friends telling us what we need to do, television programs telling us what to do, other people in our lives, workplace, employees. There's so much noise in life that we have lost the ability to hear our conscience. In other words, our conscience being the mouthpiece of God's word in our lives, if trained correctly, we've lost the ability to hear God in our lives. The first thing we've got to do if we want to build these habits is to be able to hear the word of God in our lives. And then the second thing it says in that scripture to have a blessed life, it says, and keep it. Now, when the dentist tells me that, hey, I need to brush my teeth X amount of times a day, or I need to brush my teeth for so many minutes every time I brush my teeth, I get into the habits based on what he's told me to do. So the first time I hear his word, he, he sits in the chair and he tells me that because of these cavities and the, what's going on in my mouth, I need to do the following. The first time I need to do that, I need to think about it. I, I need to think it through a little bit. But I've at least heard him. And as a result, I've started changing my behavior to what he's told me to do. 
as the behavior continues to change, and I keep thinking about that behavior, considering that behavior by basing my actions on what he's told me to do, eventually brushing my teeth in the way that he's asked me to do has become habit. I don't need to think about whether or not it's wrong or right to murder my neighbor. God's word tells me it's not, and that is written on the inside of me. At first, I would have a look at that principle, and I would reason, and I would think, well, who's my neighbor? What does it mean? How does it? But in the inside of me, I don't have to think about not murdering my neighbor. It becomes an habitual decision that I don't even have to think about. Habitual obedience. You see, this conscience, when trained correctly, can lead us towards this habitual obedience to God. And I don't know about you, but if I could get a whole lot of noise out of my life, if I could get a whole lot of excuses out of my life, and just hear God's word habitually, and respond and keep it habitually, I know that according to Luke chapter 11 and 28, that my life and your life would be blessed. In his book, The Power of Habit, Charles Duhigg defines a habit like this. He says, a habit is a choice that you deliberately make at one point and then continue to do without having to think about it day by day. Once you make a habit, you stop making a choice and the behavior becomes authentic or it becomes automatic, not authentic. It becomes automatic. You see, when we, when we have a look at what a habit is, it's a behavior that starts based on a set of criteria, based on a set of rules, based on a, on a set of knowledge that you have about something, a behavior starts. And when you start that behavior and start doing that behavior enough, in the end, you're not thinking about it, and it just becomes automatic. And I don't know about you, but when somebody points out to me that I've got a bad habit, the very first thing I really want to say is, I don't want to think about it. You see, habits and not thinking about it are synonymous. You can't hear the Word of God and turn that into a habit unless you've thought about it. You've got to consider the Word of God for you to be able to change your habits. It's, it's, we don't want to hear when our God-ordained or God-trained conscience has something to say. Sometimes our conscience doesn't even have to sprout God's word to, to guide us. It could just simply sprout some kind of common sense. Sometimes the word of God is not quoting King James Bible at you as regards your decision-making process. No, sometimes your conscience is just telling you that it's stupid to do what you're about to do. There's common sense involved. The Bible doesn't have to tell you when you're being stupid. Your conscience will tell you when you're being stupid. And quite frankly, we know when we're being stupid. But sometimes we choose that stupid behavior anyway, and it becomes a habit. And then we wonder why our lives are not blessed. I don't want to have to think about it. I want to be able to be habitually obedient to God. I don't want to be habitually obedient to my flesh. Bad habits will quieten the God-trained conscience. Eventually, when you get rolled up into some of these bad habits, you'll find that, hey, I'm not even thinking about it, but I know it's wrong. In the back of your mind, you're putting it out of your mind. In the back of your mind, you're saying, I, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to go through. I, don't want, I just need to do what I've got to do. And as a result of that, we find ourselves in bad habits. Bad habits will always still the God-trained conscience. When your God-trained conscience is still, you will have no peace. You see, when we try and suppress God-ordained, God-built-in, God-wiring things in our lives, we start making decisions. We start thinking about behavior. Behavior becomes habits, not based on the Word of God. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a mess. You know what I'm talking about. You've probably got habits right now that you can think of, that you do. They're not really God-based. They're not evil. They're not wicked. They're just not God-based. And even though you can justify them, you can explain them, you can excuse them, those habits keep you up at night. Those habits keep you awake, worrying. There's no peace in your life. Why? Because your bad habits have suppressed 
your God-trained conscience. The other side of it is mentioned in Psalm 119, verse 165, where it says this, Great peace, everyone say great peace, great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to some stumble. You see, God's law, God's word has been written on the inside of us. Now, I'm not talking Genesis chapter 1 through Revelation 21, the word of, no, no, that's the Bible. That's God's word put into a book. I'm talking about God's moral standards and laws. Those moral standards of laws have been written on the inside of you. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you have God's principles on the inside of you. And when we listen to those God principles, when we allow those principles to have a voice through our conscience, it can make a decision for us or decide which way we go, yes, but it can also help us shape our behavior and as a result, stop thinking about it and we get to a place of habitual integrity and habitual obedience. And when that happens, there's great peace. You see, once we understand that as we listen to the word of God through our conscience and we start acting on what our God-trained conscience is, our God-trained conscience becomes stronger. It becomes louder. It guides us better. It gives us better direction. Scriptures start to come to mind that we don't think about. As we get into the habit of listening to our conscience, our conscience itself becomes stronger and drives us to better habits. And the cycle of constant habitual obedience to God begins to get stronger stronger and stronger in our lives. Good habits hone the conscience in on God's word. It, it points the conscience towards God's word. The more we know of God's way, the more our conscience can guide us towards his way. The more our behavior changes, the more our habits are changed. The more we know of God's word, the more we focus on God's word, the more God's word speaks through our conscience, the better our habits become, the better our behavior becomes. The cycle of good habits starts by listening to God's words and principles in your life. Good habits will always focus your conscience on God's word, which in turn turns into more good habits, and we are driven by our conscience towards God's way. Psalm 119, verse 17 to 24, is a scripture that I came across which shouted out this process of a good cycle of habits based on God's word. Deal bountifully with your servant, it says that I may live and keep your word. Live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I might see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke, you, you rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Remove me from reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies <clears throat> also are my delight and my counselors. Did you see that? David here says that he, he, he wants <clears throat> the commandments to constantly, constantly be at the front of his mind. He wants to be habitually obedient to the word of God. He wants to keep his testimonies. And as a result of keeping the testimonies of God, his reproach, his issues, his depression, his circumstances, the weight of life will be removed from him, the peace. He knew that he needed to get into habit of listening to the word of God. He knew that it wasn't just about Bible reading. No, it was about amplifying God's word from the inside, not taking it only in from the outside. Now you're probably thinking, oh, I know what you mean when you're talking about bad habits. I, I've got a neighbor that's two doors down from me that really needs to get on church online. But you know, he's an alcoholic, you know. He just can't help himself. 
Maybe you're thinking it's that, that guy that you met or, or, or down the way or, or that you met a, a month ago or two months ago that, that you know, you, could, you, you just know. He just, he, just, he just had bad habits. He was smoking, chain smoking. He was eating badly. He had, he, his life was a mess. Maybe it's that, that husband of, of your girlfriend that, that you're working through with and, and she's your friend and, and you're working through some things with her because he, he had a pornographic habit. And maybe that's what you're thinking about when I speak about good or bad habits. Don't point the finger because you and I both know that we have habits that go on every single day, which are probably not of God. We have habits that that change and shape us every single day that we don't even think about. How's that habit of every single time that particular friend phones you, you end up gossiping? Maybe we, we're thinking of, of that selfishness. Every single time we hear about something, we immediately have in our hearts a habit of selfishness. Maybe every single time we get passed over at work for a promotion and somebody else gets the job, that there's a habit of jealousy that runs in through your heart. Maybe every single time you sit down in front of that particular kind of food, you know it's not right, but you take it anyway. You have an eating habit or disorder. Maybe when we're talking about ourselves, we have the habit of exaggerating just a little bit. Maybe when we're under pressure and somebody's coming at us, we have the habit of turning to a little white lie to get out of that pressure. Maybe it's the envy. Maybe it's that jealousy. Maybe it's that exaggeration. We do these things over and over and over every single day, despite our conscience telling us that it's wrong, we do them because we just don't think about it. Conscience-induced remorse is not something I want to live in. I don't want to get home in the evening and because I've exaggerated, told a white lie, eaten the wrong thing habitually, that I get home in the evening and I go, oh, woe is me. I'm such a bad person. Now my conscience starts to convict. And now I start thinking how bad I am, how terrible I am. I don't want to live in a life of conscience-induced remorse all the time. I want to live in a space where I have that induced obedience in the moment. I want to live in a conscience-aware moment every single day. I want my habit to be listening to God. I want my habit to be thinking on God's word. I want my habit to be listening to God. So that in that moment, in that space where I need to go left or go right, I can and always will choose the optimum option. I want to have habit checks all along the way. Colossians 3 verse 9 to 10 says this, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his habits. Some Bible translations say deeds, but some Bible translations say habits. You've put off the old man with his habits and put on the new man who is renewed in what? Renewed in the knowledge of according to the image of him who created him, your conscience, what God has put on the inside of you. When you renew yourself to those things, you are able to put off the old man and get rid of all of the old man's habits. Romans 12 verse 2 underlines this thought. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern the good and acceptable and perfect will of God in your life. You may be able to discern. You will be able to see what decision you take, what habits need to be broken. You will be able to put off the new man, put put on the new man, put off the worldly man, put on the completeness of who God wants you to be in a perfect and incredibly joyful way. Peace will be yours when you decide to make it a habit of listening to God through your God-trained conscience. If habits are doing without thinking, and we all have to admit that we have bad habits, then we have to admit that we've done some things or have habits in our lives that have resulted in not thinking. Well, not thinking is called being stupid. Well, is it? You see, when we do bad things by not thinking, that's stupidity. When we do good things without even thinking about it, 
That's called wisdom. You see, good habits come from your spirit man. Good habits come from what God has done for the good in your life. God works for the good in all things. He's given you goodness on the inside of you. He's made your spirit man completely perfect. Good habits are born there and spoken into being through a God-trained conscience. Bad habits are born in the flesh, what we desire in the moment, right now. We want to be comfortable. We want to have the good things in life. And as a result of that flesh, that moment where I know I'm, I'm really doing something wrong, but I just want that fleeting bliss for the moment. So I put whatever substance in my body to give me that fleeting bliss. I'm addicted to that sense of euphoria that that drug can bring me. And eventually I become addicted to that euphoria because I want it, my flesh wants it, and now all of a sudden I'm not thinking about it, and I'm putting that substance in my body habitually. Now, not thinking about it is leading us down a road to habits that will never, ever, ever allow the, God of, the Word of God in your life to thrive. Good habits come from the spirit man. They don't let the flesh man get a foot in the door. You see, the spirit man, when your conscience can speak what your spirit man wants, habits oriented towards hearing from God, become the order of the day. But when your flesh man begins to speak, well, then your spirit man can't have its godly say. And so it's all about the spontaneous reaction to triggers, both mental and physical. I don't know about you, but I'd prefer to give the spirit man a voice in my life because that's wall-to-wall God then give the flesh man enough space, room to run with to form bad habits. I don't want to think about the flesh. I don't want my flesh to even think that it can think about it. I want my spirit man to be heard clearly. Through my God-trained conscience, I can give what God has given me an option to become a habit. First Timothy 4 goes through a series of scriptures. Paul, he, he was the guru in the Bible in this section of scripture. And he was writing to his Padawan Timothy, his, his, his apprentice Timothy. And as he, he started to speak Yoda, in First Timothy, he starts to speak this, this wisdom into his apprentice. And he goes through a number of things in 1 Timothy 4 and 6 to 16. And we, I'm going to encourage you to read that scripture, read it and have a look and see. We're going to go through some of the points. We're not going to read it all word for word. But I wanted you to just have a look at the scripture. As Paul tells Timothy, how do you get good habits into your life? He says this, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I'm reading from 1 Timothy 4, verse 6 through 16. We'll see how far we get doing it word for word. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. Did you get it? The word that it was spoken into his life, he needed to carefully follow. He needed to make it a habit of following, but reject profane and old wives' fables. Have a look at this. Exercise yourself towards godliness. Get into the habit of orienting, orienting your life towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. I'm going to jump a few scripture verses down to verse 11. These things command and teach, command and teach, command and teach, command and teach. Isn't that what your, your, your conscience in its right cycle is doing? It's telling you what to do, and by you doing it the godly way, you are teaching your conscience what to do and what to tell you in God's way all the time. Command and let that teach. Command and teach. That, that conscience cycle is available to you. He says, that conscience cycle, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. I'm going to come back to that scripture in a few moments. Jump down to verse 16. He then says, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Take heed. 
Now that Greek word epeko means to give heed to yourself or to give attention to yourself or to take check or to stop. You see, that, that take heed that Paul spoke to Timothy about was saying, listen and obey the voice of God in your life. Listen, amplify, and obey the voice of God in your life. Give attention to it. Make it a habit of listening to God and not anything else. So when we have a look at that scripture, we see a why, we see a what, and we see a how. Let's just have a look at why we want to have these immediate obedience habits. Why those things are worth forming. Have a look at verse 11 and 12 of 1 Timothy 4, 11, 4 11 to 12. I, I just read that. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to others. Hey, moms, dads, look at me. Your children need you to have good habits. The reason we need to have good habits is because we have a whole generation of people coming through that need to be able to learn the Word of God by looking at our example. Our example is only going to be formed in a good way if we have the good habit of listening to God. You see, others need you to have good habits. Dads, those habits that you have of addictions that cause you to behave in the wrong way, stop them. They are not good examples to your children. Your children need you to love them and have habits of caring for them, leading them, nurturing them, showing them the way. They need you to stop those bad habits of abusive ways and start listening to what you already know in your heart. Look at me. I know that you know already that there's something wrong with the habits you have and that deep down you desire to change those habits. You've got yourself into a bad habit cycle, but you're going to be able to break that cycle. We're going to give you some examples and some things that you can do right now to break that cycle of habits. Look at me. This is, I'm passionate about this. God wants you to show others the benefit of his word in your life. God wants you to be able to be an example of other, to others. Whole generations of children and people are looking towards you to see what is acceptable. Are your habits good enough to be the standard of the next generation? Let me ask you that question again. Are your habits good enough to be the standard for the next generation? Do you want your children making themselves something because of your habits, moving towards a line, having a goal based on your current habits? Or are there some habits that you need to put down and demonstrate some good habits to them so they could have a new and fresh standard? These things... You should be listening to, says Paul to Timothy, so that you can be an example to others. They need you to have good habits. There's your why. And you might be saying, but Craig, I'm alone. I don't have anybody influencing me. Well, or, or being influenced by me. Well, I want to say to you that you probably don't have anybody influenced or being influenced by you or with you because you've got some bad habits going down. You, maybe your habit is what Proverbs speaks about, that you have isolated yourself so that you could have your own selfish way. That's what one of the habits that Proverbs tells us is there, that we will even withdraw from people. We won't be influenced and we won't be an influencer so that we could have time to ourselves to get up to our own selfish ways. Well, you need to start influencing people. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has told you, go therefore and make disciples. You can't be making disciples with bad habits. You need to be in the Word. You need to be with others. You need to be influencing and being influenced in a good way. Other people need you to have good habits. Whether you are on your own or not, there are others in your world that would love to see you having those good habits and learn from them. That's the why. Others need you to have them. The what? We'll have a look at 1 Timothy 4 verse 11 to 12 again. It gives us the what. It says here, but we need to be an example to others in word, in conduct, in love, 
in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Those are the areas that the conscience is going to be speaking to you about. Those are the areas that are going to be the loudest in your conscience voice. Have a look at them again. In word. Do you have the habit of speaking badly of somebody? (laughs) Do you have the habit of speaking badly of yourself? Are you in a good habit as regards speaking up what God's promises are for you and for others and speaking down what the world would like you to do? In word, what we say, we need to change our habits. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Craig, I have an alcoholic problem. I have a drug habit. I have a this. I have a that. I want to say to you, if you change your habit in all of these areas, concentrate on all of them. Don't try and break the habit of drug abuse. Start speaking the drug abuse out of your life and watch that habit change. Work on all of these things. Don't concentrate on the fruit of your habit. Change where you orientate your conscience as a habit. That's the habit you need to work on. And here's how you do it. What do we need to change our habits in? You need to change. Have a look at that scripture. You need to change what you say in word. Don't stop there. You also need to change your habits in conduct. How you behave. Are you always behaving in such a way at the party that you the party trick, that you the center of attention, that you can drink the most? Well, you're probably finding that if that is your habit, you're going to be having the reaping the reward of becoming an alcoholic and having a drinking habit. Well, change the way you behave. Change the way you speak and change the way you behave. Have a look at the next one. You need to change your habits in love. You need to change your habits as regards how you treat other people. If you are always selfishly looking for the habit that gives you your fix, it's about time that you give those around you in love their fix of your undivided, uninhabit-induced attention. You need to give people who the good is inside of you, not the bad habit that is on the outside of you. You need to start looking at how your habits affect other people and realize that you have probably been allowed to lead in habit and not in love. The next thing that scripture says that we need to change our habits is in spirit, which means what goes on in the heart. Do you judge yourself? Do you judge others? Are you walking around with jealousy as a habit? You need to change the habits of your heart. And you need to change your habits in faith. You see, our faith is a direct corresponding thought process to our confidence in Jesus. Do we find our joy, our euphoria, and our bliss in having a relationship with the Father through Jesus? Or are we confident that we can find that euphoria in other bad habits, addictions, things that we do? Are we looking to God for our fortune, God for our provision? Or are we looking at the one-armed bandit gambling machine to look for our provision? You see, we need to have a look at our confidence in Jesus our confidence in the Word of God, in our conscience. And finally, the last and, we need to be looking at our habits in purity, which means what are your lifestyle choices? Change what you decide to do on a Friday night when you are going out and having bad habits happen to you or get involved in and watch how your lifestyle will slowly start to put down those habits Change the way you go, what you do, who you associate with. Change what you are up to in purity and your lifestyle choices. Uh, Don't worry about this list going, oh, Pastor Craig, there's so much to do to change my habits. No, you just start at the top and you will watch them cascade. As you start speaking life, you will find that life will enter your conduct. You will start wanting to love others. You will start having a good heart and a good approach. Your confidence in what Jesus is doing in your life will start to grow, and you will find that you will be easily able to make those lifestyle, purity lifestyle choices. Just start with the first one and watch it cascade. Start speaking the promises of God over your life, not your dealer's telephone number. Start speaking the promises of God in your life, not the winning horses at the closest racetrack. Start speaking the promises of God in your life, not your next alcohol order. 
Start speaking the promises of God in your life that include love for others, not jealousy and envy and hatred and, and, and political bias. Start thinking about how God sees others and how God sees you and start speaking that in your inner voice, your conscience, and your verbal voice. You see, if we know what the why is and we know what the what is, that scripture concludes in 1 Timothy 4.11 by giving us the how. How do we start this cascade towards habitual obedience to God, listening to our conscience? He says this to his Padawan. He says, till I come, give attention to reading. Read. Fill your mind with good things. Read the Bible. Read books about the Bible. Speak to other people about what you've read about the Bible. Read. Read, read, read. Don't allow yourself to watch the habits of fake people on TV and in movies thinking that you have to adopt those habits to be just as cool. No, I want to adopt the habits of Jesus so I can have eternity, not cruelty. That's a Craig word. I don't want to just be cool. I want to have eternity. I don't want to have a fleeting moment of, of being good and, and, and feeling good. No, I want to be good with Jesus. I want to be good with my conscience and God. I want to have eternity and peace. Read. The next thing it says, exhortation. Speak well of yourself and others. Exhort one another to love and fine works. Know what you believe to doctrine, it says. What do you believe? You see, we sometimes wander through life trying to find what we believe. Instead of taking a decision about what we believe and then journeying through life based on what we believe. We wander from this habit to that habit looking for a solution, looking for the plus. Because we don't really know what we believe. We don't really know how we feel about certain things. We don't know what the doctrine of Jesus in your life is. The moral code of God is. And so we wander through life. Know what you believe. Discover what's in your heart. Discover the kind of person you want to become. Know what God wants you for you. And then walk that out. And finally it says, do not neglect the gift that God has placed on the inside of you. The word of God that he's placed on the inside of you. Meditate on these things. Give of yourself entirely to them that your progress may be made evident to all. Read the Bible. Make it a habit. Make it a habit of speaking positively about yourself and others. Do not neglect the fact that God has made you in his image and he's put all goodness on the inside of you for a purpose. Meditate on the word, says the guru of the scripture. And then in, and finally it says, give of yourself. Be completely sold out to the word of God in your life. You will grow. I want to encourage you to have a look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2 in your, in your own time. And in fact, tomorrow in our Facebook group and the next day in our Facebook group, we will be discussing this scripture with you as a way of saying you will make progress in life. If you put these principles in place about changing your habits and making it a habit to listen to your God-trained conscience, you will find that you will grow and you will make progress. Galatians 5, verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore in the liberty by which Christ Jesus made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You see, Jesus doesn't want you to be trapped by bad habits. He wants you to be liberated by the habit of God in your life, the habit of God's word in your life, the habit of knowing what God wants for you. He wants to let you know today that you are not trapped and defined by your habits. No, you are defined by the Word of God. Will you let the Word of God define you? Will you let that voice on the inside of you give birth to brand new good habits? Habits that people can look towards. Habits that generations can change because of. Traditions and things that you do that will change how your children feel about being a human being. How they feel about being a mom and a dad of the future. You see, if we allow our habits to change, God will give us a crown of beauty. He will give us a joyous blessing. He will give us a festival of praise. He will give us righteousness. He will give us all of the habits that your heart desires if you make it a habit of turning to the Word of God in your life. Let your God-trained conscience speak. But here's the deal. Get 
that God trained conscience into a training regime. Make sure that you know what it is that you need to do today to break the habits of yesterday. Because the habits of tomorrow will define you as a man or woman of God. Let's pray together as we enjoy the communion time together. If you want to go and grab your water, a gum, coffee, piece of bread, whatever it is you're going to use to celebrate communion while we pray, that'll be great. Father, thank you that you have placed on the inside of us a desire to hear you, a desire to walk out who you are. We're not going to change our external habits, Father God, unless we change the habit of listening to you first. We want to listen to you first because we know if we can make that the order of our day, our habits will change. Our direction will change. You will give us the blessing that you spoke about in that first scripture in John that we discussed today. Father, thank you so much for all that you are, all that you are working in our lives, changing us, taking away the bad and replacing it with the good. Father, may your voice be amplified in our lives. We wish to be guided by you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God is so passionate about being with you and giving you an abundant life that right now I want to ask you the question, are you bound by a habit? Are you bound by an addiction? Because I want to just pray for you. We're going to go through a process of communion, but then at the end I want to pray for you that you can break that habit today, that you can start speaking God's life-giving words into your life today. You see, the only way we're going to be able to change, put off the old, and, I, and I'm sure you're, you'll understand that analogy, when, when you look at your life and all of the bad habits in it, you would love to just kind of put that away, just, just, just put it in the cupboard and never ever have to see it, dig a hole and bury it, and never have to process that again. Well, Jesus makes that possible. Jesus is saying to you today that you can have a new life. He wants you to have a new life. In fact, Jesus only sees you with that clean new life. If you say yes to Jesus today, it doesn't mean to say that your addictions are going to be gone tomorrow. They may very well be gone, but the desire to listen to your flesh will slowly start to go away. The desire to listen to your selfishness will slowly start to go away. And your habit of listening to God will become a reality in your life. But you've got to say yes to Jesus. You've got to say yes to a bad habit-free life and get into the habit of listening to Him and obeying Him as your direction. It is about surrender. It is about blindly going into something and giving your life to somebody that you quite don't know all about. You've never seen this guy, Jesus, but here I am asking you to put your hand up, click on a banner and say, yes, I want a new life. Just say yes to that. I'm sure that you've given many things a try. Maybe you've even been through rehab programs. You've been through recovery programs, uh, anonymous programs. You've been through all sorts of programs to get rid of your addiction. Well, maybe it's time that you gave Jesus a try. Maybe it's time that that voice that's crying out on the inside of you be heard. The voice that says, give yourself to God. Give yourself to a relationship that will give you new, brand new habits through the name of Jesus. If that is you, we're going to do two things. Number one, we're going to celebrate with you by doing something that we call communion. Now, it's not a crazy thing. It's just us saying yes to Jesus. It's just a way of accepting who Jesus was. Jesus was made up of a body and his blood, and he used both of them as illustrations and analogies through his teachings while he was on earth to show us that he was genuinely here to give us a new life of better habits, better spiritual disciplines, and a better life. He genuinely came. His body was genuinely put on a cross and was broken. There is evidence that Jesus walked amongst us. And so the cracker, the piece of bread, is just our demonstration of the fact that Jesus had a body. He walked amongst us even though he was God. And he gave up that body so that you could have a better life. So as you take a small piece of bread, a cracker, whatever it is that you have, know that you are not just accepting a, a new life. No, you are saying, I believe in you, Jesus, that you came and that you were with us and that you walked amongst us and that you died for me. So take, eat, and receive Jesus as your new habit. Not only did he come, not only did he walk amongst us, and not only was he killed, the blood was shed, but his covenant 
meant that you could have eternal life. You see, on the third day, he was raised to life. That genuinely happened. And as a result, his covenant that he promised, a blood covenant, a covenant and a word that ran as deep as blood, he said would come to be. He promised his disciples that three days after his blood was shed, that there would be a possibility of eternal life. That possibility of eternal life was because he demonstrated that he could be resurrected even from the dead. And so as you drink of his blood, know that his blood was shed, but that he was resurrected as part of his word on the third day so that you could have a new life and new habits in him. So take drink and know that the word that you have received today from Jesus is true and valid just for you. And so as we get to this time now of just saying to you, we want to journey with you from moving from bad habits, listening to your God-trained conscience, into good habits. We genuinely mean that. If you are suffering from an addiction, a habit that you just can't seem to break, from pornography, masturbation, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, whatever the thing is that you feel in your life is contradictory to the voice of God in your life, it's time to put that down. And so as we're going to say a quick prayer with you, but we'd love to get to know you. Please click on the banner. Please click on the link in the chat room. Not to get all super spiritual, not to go all crazy Christian, just to say, I want to give Jesus an opportunity to change my habits. I want to give Jesus an opportunity to break some of my addictions. Will you help me? And as you see that little pop-up come up on the screen, just give us your name and email address. That's all we need. Just a little bit about you so that we can be reaching out to you and finding out what you need. What can we start speaking over you? What can we start praying over you to change those habits and orientate you towards God and what He has to say in your life? Let's pray, and then you can go ahead and click on that banner and click on the link. Father, we thank you that you are always looking to change our lives for the good. Today, right now, around the world, we raise our hand and we say, I need Jesus to help me change my habits. I need Jesus to become my habit. I need Jesus to become my addiction. I need Jesus to change my life and give me my life. I repent of all the things that I've done in the past. I've repented from all the habit-forming behaviors that I've, I've, I've been involved with. And right now, I give you my everything. I give you all who I am. I'm being vulnerable with you right now, Jesus. And I want to tell you that you, from this moment forward, have the permission to guide me and lead me. I want to think of you first as a habit. The Word of God in my life is going to be what guides me. Jesus, will you be my King? And will you lead me to a better life? We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if that prayer meant something to you, if if this process of changing your habit means something to you, change that addiction today. Click on that banner. Click on that link. We'd love to get involved with you and be involved with you as you journey from a life of the old to a brand new life of having Jesus as your habit. I hope this message has blessed you. I hope that it's changed your perspective on on your voice of God. We're going to continue in the process of understanding how to hear from God through our conscience as we continue the conscience series next week. Looking forward to being with you again during our midweek services next week as we continue the next part of this conscience series. Thank you so very much for joining us today. It was a pleasure being with you. I know that God has spoken to you. You be blessed, and we'll see you again soon here at Victory Life Church online.